welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I write an automotive column for Bay Area News Group, which is the San Jose Mercury and the East Bay Times in Walnut Creek, California. And I have edited and published the website, theweeklydriver.com, since 2004. My guest today is Joseph White. I think he, in his signature, he puts Joe. So Joe uh, White is the global automotive correspondent for Thomson Reuters. And uh, Joe, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for being available. Sure thing. Good to to be here, James. Thank you. Um, Joe, I think a good place to start is um, kind of a disclosure that I was a a sports correspondent, uh, stringer for Reuters for many years. And back in the day, um, beginning in 1986, I began to work for Reuters, and then it was Reuters, and now it's Thomson Reuters. Could you just give right. us an overview of when that uh, name change occurred and what Thomson Reuters is these days? Yeah, so you know, actually, I don't have the exact year when uh, Thomson uh, acquired the Reuters news service. Um, it was some time ago at this point, um, yes. but. Thomson Reuters, uh, Thomson Reuters is, um, you know, is an interesting company. It's a good chunk of it. In fact, most of the revenue come from um, professional data services. There's a tax service. There's Westlaw, um, which serves lawyers. There, I mean, there's a number of sort of professional information uh, services uh, that, that the company sells. The Reuters News Service, um, which has been around for well over a century and has its roots, in, as many many listeners probably know, in in the UK, yes, um, is part of that. And 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 we at and I work for the Reuters News Service, and we carry on um, a tradition of um, of kind of covering business and finance uh, pretty closely uh, around the world, and then uh, doing you know kind of not kind of, but doing, you know, the sort of foreign reporting at a, at a, at a pretty sophisticated level. I have colleagues, you know, who are in wars, the war zones of the world as we speak uh, and, and covering that sort of thing. So um, it's a, it's a new service. We, we sell our news uh, uh, to, um, to uh, websites like MSN and Yahoo and, and many others and, and to newspapers and, and, and to radio and television stations. And, um, you know, so we basically work on a subscription model uh, but we provide we provide a lot of the news that you'll see if you if you're scanning your your, your you know your Apple News for instance you'll see a lot of Reuters headlines. Um, we have many worthy competitors that's that's for sure. But uh, that's you know that's the business we're in. We're in uh, largely financial news and sort of uh, you know from a U.S. perspective foreign reporting. Yes, I I remember fondly that um, when I was a stringer uh, primarily in, in for cycling and track and field. Uh, athletics, if you will, in, in the UK and other places, there was uh, AP and UPI and Reuters were the top three, and it was very competitive uh, in the 80s and 90s, particularly in the early 2000s. But Reuters always would, you know, stand on its own. It was uh, known for uh, even in wire service copy, it was known for its succinctness and accuracy and mm-hmm. and quickness and all those wonderful things. And I sure. Uh, learned a lot with some of the editors. Uh, worked uh, through the New York bureau primarily, sometimes in London, and it was just phenomenal to learn. Um, uh, as we used to say, tight and bright. <laughs> and I'm sure you, yeah. know, I'm sure you know that term from your years. But what what is your background, Joe? How long have you been a journalist, and and particularly in the automotive space? How did how um, I, how yeah, you... yeah I, I hate to say how long I've been a journalist. It's, it's a really long time. Yes. Um, it, it's um, it's it's more than forty years. I've been doing this since two 
two days after I graduated from college. Congratulations. And, um, That's great. And, uh, and yeah, well, thanks. Um, and I've been with Reuters since 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to then, I was working, I, I had a number of jobs, but my longest, by far, the longest stint was at the Wall Street Journal, where I uh, covered, where I worked for mm, about 28 years and largely in, in and around Detroit. Uh, did some stints in, uh, did a stint in Brussels and then in Washington, uh, but mainly covering the auto industry out of, out of Detroit for the Wall Street Journal. But since 2015, I've been covering the auto auto industry for Reuters based in Detroit. Great. The um, I signed up uh, months ago for your newsletter, and there are a lot of automotive newsletters. And as you know, the world of journalism is changing. So what is the genesis of the the newsletter that I now get and others get? And when did it start? And um, the world of automotive reporting is so vast, it changes every five minutes or so. Um, tell us about the newsletter in general terms and, and how it began and, mm-hmm. and uh, how you see that as um, as uh, presenting the news. Sure. So the, the newsletter is called The Auto File. Yes. A-U-T-O-F-I-L-E. Yes. Um, there, are probably, there are a couple of puns in there, some of which I intended, some of which I didn't realize until later. Um, I started doing the autofile um, kind of as a, as a, almost as a personal side project. Um, it was mainly to, uh, to kind of um, connect with sources and, and connect with people on the on the beat. Um, I, I, I did it using a uh, kind of a, just a, 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 an easy to use and free, you know, mail delivery or mails, mails, you know, email service. Yes. Um, and it was mainly, yeah, it was mainly just to sort of, I, I realized certainly, you know, anybody who follows the auto industry realizes that, that the auto industry is just a, it's a total fire hose of news every single day. <laughs> uh, or certainly, you know, it just is. And, yes. and, and I thought, you know, I bet there's a lot of people, even professionals in the industry who, you know, have got real jobs to do, right? They've got day jobs. They can't keep up with all this stuff. Um, so why, don't, why don't I try sort of collecting, uh, curating, uh, boiling down to kind of, and boiling down what is going on and, and giving some, you know, my analytical spin to some extent on it and, 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 you know, kind of putting that out. And in an environment, I think you kind of alluded to this, that, that newsletters um, have definitely become a very creative, vital, and, uh, and growing form of delivering of delivering news, so you've got a, a bunch of very uh, smart organizations like Axios, um, just to name one. Yes. Um, but also, also a lot of the traditional public uh, news outlets, like the Wall Street Journal, are are starting to use newsletters for the very same reason, which is they realize that that, that people are just swamped, and they they're kind of looking for somebody to to cook all this stuff down or cook down the news in a given sector, um, and and in a in a smart way, say, look, this is why this is, this matters, um, or this is what's really going on here, and and so I started to do that because I, you know, as I said, I've been doing this for a while, and I felt like I had some ability to kind of the okay. blog and say, okay, you know what this means? It means this. So um, uh, fast forward, it's uh, Reuters. Uh, you know, Reuters, the editors of Reuters knew what I was doing. I wasn't keeping it a secret, and and as they began to develop uh, newsletters um, sort of through the formal proper Reuters channels. Um, they, they, they sort of picked me up and put me in the mix. I have colleagues doing other newsletters as well about energy and, and, and environmental issues and so on. Um, but yeah, so now it's, uh, it's something that you can subscribe to uh, through the Reuters website. 
Um, it's, it's, we're not charging for it. Um, maybe they will someday. That's not my department. That's the, the business side. But for now, you can sign up for uh, for free, and and I'm now doing it three days a week. Um, it's great. Someday I might go back. I was doing it five days a week. Three days, you know, is both plenty and not enough at the same time. Because <laughs> as I said, you know, you, you go 24 hours just on this up. You could do a whole newsletter on Elon Musk. Oh, uh, absolutely. You, know, uh, you might you might regret it, but you could do it. And um, so at any rate, at this point, I'm three days a week, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and uh, and that's that's the goal is to kind of say, look. You know, you probably have a life, um, but you're interested in the in the auto business and in, in transportation. So, you know, here you go, and it'll take you five minutes or, to read this, or maybe less, and you'll you'll be up to speed. I think I have this image of you, and old a friend of mine forever has this poster on his wall, and it's this guy yelling, uh, "Get me rewrite," and that's the old version, <laughs> you know, the old version of that that you and I understand, um, both being yeah. involved for many years in this, but. Um, basically, I think that if not, it's not unfair, it's not patronizing that, I mean, you have those wonderful skills, as you said, of condensing and, and, you know, getting to the point, cut to the chase, as we used to say, and, and getting a lot of news, uh, and some, um, some, uh, analysis, yes, and opinion on occasion in your, in your crafty headlines and so forth and sub headlines, um, of getting, condensing all of this material that's available in a very, uh, readable, uh, nice form uh, that the public can have, and I I wanted to you know compliment you that on that from the from the get go. Um, we exchanged emails once. You had a reference to uh, the Grateful Dead in a sub headline at, at one point, and I emailed you, and I thought that was cl- very clever. Then um, obviously you've, you're um, not a 25 year old. You you knew the Grateful Dead reference in there, and it was it was great to share that email. It's been a while back. I don't even know if you remember, but it was fun. Yeah, no, it was fun. No, well, I, <coughs> pardon me, sure. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I am who I am. I, I, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I, I'm, I have, I've, I'm a baby boomer with baby boomer music preferences and sure. and and interests. And and I, and I started doing that in, in when I first started doing the newsletter. I started throwing in the music references and, and links to videos, and because um, for a bunch of reasons, one just to kind of lighten the lighten lighten things up a little bit, uh, not to be excessively serious, um, but also because you know just so often you know a, a line from a from a song or a, a, you know an idea uh, in a song um, that I know uh, is actually kind of relevant um, to uh, what's going on in the automotive world. I mean, the other day I. I I, I used a, 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 a line that I've thought about a lot, which is you know the Bruce Springsteen complex, the I, which is relative to electric vehicles, the idea that you know even though almost none of us will, will drive more than 200 miles in one direction in a day, uh, I mean, or maybe we'll do it twice a year or three times a year at the most. Uh, all of us want to think that we can, you know, uh, take, you know, take like Bruce Springsteen sings, you know, drive all night, you know, take a wrong turn in Baltimore, Jack, and you know, wind up. <laughs> who knows where. Yes. And, and so, you know, we just think we, we think we can do that. You know, we, we, we just want to have the ability to just like light out any old time and, you know, wind up 10 counties away. And even though we, we never will. So, yes. but you know, there it is. I mean, I, Springsteen has made a exceptionally brilliant career out of playing to that dream. So why not use him to illustrate that point? Absolutely. Um, you mentioned Elon Musk um, earlier and uh, that might be a good, it is a good launching point to be um, in specific um, topics. Um, if you don't mind sharing an opinion, 
Um, I called him. I call him an enigma, and obviously, I think you probably agree. He cha- he changed the automotive world, and yet um, things that he does are polarizing uh, at best sometimes. Uh, but w- w- can you give me a good overview of, of probably uh, unfair of Tesla uh, and and the man behind Tesla? What 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 do you make of him um, personally and in your automotive writing? How how do you yes, like you said, you could do a whole newsletter on Elon Musk. So. Give me some idea of your of your thoughts with um, Tesla and Elon. Well, it's tough, right? Because I and I try and I try to <clears throat> to keep separate, sort of Elon Musk, the the kind of celebrity and and the and the, the tabloid fodder, you know, yes. the guy whose whose personal life has been so certainly in the last few days has become tabloid fodder. Yes. Um. In which which by the way, I saw a tweet from him today. It was actually a tweet exchange between him and his mother. Oh my god! In which he basically yeah, in which his mother is basically is essentially saying, "I'm getting all these calls about you." Yes. Oh <laughs> and, and Elon replies something to the effect of, "Well, you know, it's you know." It, it's super, you know. It's it's super sucks to have your life, you know, kind of taken over like this. And I'm going to try to keep my head down. I felt like his mom is probably saying, "Yeah, you want you do that." Yeah, right, right. So I anyway. So so to the point. I, I I try, and it's not easy, but I try, and I think a lot of other people do too. But I try to kind of look look past or not pay too much attention to the kind of the stuff the 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 uh, gossipy or the kind of fluff that Elon Musk is either kind of becomes the center of, or that he, he, he generates himself with his, uh, with his Twitter presence. Yes. Um, and, and, and look at, you know, like what, it, what he's doing that's substantive and that, that I, you know, that I feel like as a business journalist, I'm supposed to care about. Sure. Um, and on that score, you know, you're right. To some extent he is, he is an enigma to another extent. I really do think that, the people who compare him to some of the pioneers of the auto, the early auto industry, you know, and I think maybe Henry Ford as as much as any, sure. um, you know, he's sort of like he's sort of like a mashup of Henry Ford and John DeLorean. Um, <laughs> Thank you, very good. Thanks. Yeah, well, yeah, right. I mean, in a lot it's of perfect. ways, I mean, the colorful personal life certainly goes with DeLorean. Yes. Um, but I think there is no question um, that he and the people who he has assembled to work at Tesla. And I think that last bit is really important. And I think he would say, and I don't think, I know he says that it's not just Elon Musk. It's the people that he has assembled to work at Tesla have, have done something truly extraordinary. I mean, they've got an electric vehicle, vehicle company, uh, in an industry where the perceived wisdom 10 years ago was that there's no way to make money on electric vehicles. Well, he, Tesla's making money on electric vehicles. Yes. And they're actually making better profit margins in the last couple of quarters than GM or Ford uh, or than others besides. Um, he, he and the people working for him have, you know, have, have figured out um, batteries and the software to control batteries that are still, after you know, many years of effort by the rivals, uh, still ahead of the curve and ahead of the pack. And a third thing I'll point out, I won't go on forever, but the third thing I'll point out, I think it's important, he, he, he gets into this a lot, is that he and the people who work with him at Tesla have also figured out a way to build electric vehicles that is highly appears to be highly efficient and not the same thing as the way Ford builds an F-150. They, they've pioneered a new type of production process. Yes. I wish I knew more about that last. I happen to be kind of into that subject and into the issues of manufacturing, manufacturing technology. And it's fairly clear to me that they have innovated 
they have innovated in that in that area in a pretty remarkable way, um, and and that's that's significant. Um, that's really significant. So, you know, there's no question Tesla has changed the industry. Um, is forcing companies like Volkswagen, Mercedes, GM, Ford, all of them, um, to to as you see it to sort of completely revisit their product and technology strategies. You know, tear themselves apart, try to put themselves back together, um, and and that process is ongoing as we speak, and and not smooth. I mean, the exit, and we can talk about this if you want, but the exit this week of, or last week rather, Herbert Deese is the head of Volkswagen. The abrupt and I think unplanned by him exit. Yes. Um, so it shows you how tough this is because you know when. You know, at Volkswagen, it doesn't look like things are working the way they're supposed to be. And it's finally the board said, well, you know what? We're not happy. You know, we need, we need a new leader here. Yes. And um, and so I think Elon Musk, in a way, uh, and he's not to blame for Herbert Deese's uh, uh, ouster, but but the pressure he put on Volkswagen and, the, and, the, and how he has made it impossible for companies like Volkswagen and all the rest to carry on business as usual, um, he's... It's absolutely changed the industry. That's right. Uh, I want to remind our listeners that I'm speaking today with Joe White, uh, who is the global automotive correspondent for Thomson Reuters. And uh, my name is James Rea. And my co-host, Bruce Altridge, is away this week. So we're, uh, we're talking about the wonderful world of um, actually two things, uh, journalism and how it's changed in people reporting uh, journalism news and also uh, this is the world of, of automobiles. So um, we're with Joe White. And Joe, in that regard, um, are there players out there, since we're speaking about Tesla, um, some have already come and gone before they arrived, I guess, um, in the in the world of Byton was one I, I kind of thought might last. Mm-hmm. There's another one that's out there now that Walmart signed a contract with um, Canoe. Um, Canoe. Canoe. And there's uh, Lucid, and of course Rivian is in the news a lot with its new um, relationship with TuneIn, the um, streaming service. Uh, are there some players out there that can can challenge uh, Tesla because it's become so popular? Do you think? Yeah. Well. Well. First of all, I mean, I guess the, I, I guess I would put sort of first in line uh, for that. Um, some of the established automakers I mentioned before. Yes. Um, I would not count out. A company like Mercedes, for example, um, you know they are they are full steam ahead toward electrifying their their lineup and and developing the software that can match the capabilities of the of the upgradable uh, Teslas. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of citing them as an example. So many of the legacy companies, so-called legacy companies, you know, established companies, have a good shot at being you know the, the significant competitors. Um, among the, the sort of startups or the kind of the, the, the new crop of automakers that, that kind of got going and, and got funded after yes. Tesla began to succeed, certainly Rivian is one to watch. They, they are they are they are having their problems. Uh, they've been really really uh, sideswiped, uh, not sideswiped, but kind of kind of you know knocked knocked over by the supply chain mess that has crippled the entire auto industry for close to two years now yes um they picked you know they they, they got they got caught in that in a, in a pretty brutal way um but i think you know if you look at kind of the business concept that rj scringe and his and his and his people have put together it makes 
it makes sense on paper, right? I mean, have have an anchor customer in in and shareholder in Amazon for whom they're going to build, I think, a hundred thousand electric vans, and they've just started putting those on the road and into active duty within the last few days. Yes. Um, and then you know, kind of as you know, as a not as a sideline, but as like a second business uh, supported by the first, you have this luxury truck um, idea. And so, that, I mean, that seems to have legs, but, and they have a lot of cash because I think they, they were smart. They raised a lot of money when they could. Um, some of the other companies, I mean, Lucid, I think still has a shot. Um, uh, Peter Rollinson is a Tesla veteran. So, and he, he clearly knows what he's doing and his people know what they're doing when it comes to developing a, a premium luxury electric car. Um, but I think, they, like Rivian, have, have, have taken some hard knocks from the supply chain. And and then you kind of go down the list. I mean, some of the companies like um, I think you're going to see when you're seeing already uh, the smaller, less capitalized or less well-capitalized startups like Canoe or Lordstown Motors, um, they're it looks like they're going to struggle to make it as in the shape and form that they started out. I mean, Lordstown has basically, you know, become a subsidiary of Foxconn, the, the, the Taiwanese company that, that assembles iPhones and that wants to get into the EV business. And guess what? They, you know, they found kind of knocked down on the side of the road and have, picked, have basically invested in them and stood them back up as essentially the car design or truck design arm of, of their of their business. Yes. Canoe, you know, canoe, uh, Walmart through canoe, a lifeline uh, by ordering vans through canoe. Uh, I, I can't tell you what the future holds for that company, but, but, you know, maybe they essentially, you know, Walmart kind of develops the same relationship with canoe that Amazon has with Rivian, right? They, Walmart becomes their patron yes. and their, and their kind of go-to their, their source of cash. Um, but I think you're going to see some of these companies. Some of these companies are going to struggle, and they're and 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 they're not going to make it in in the shape and form, because and this is the probably the most important thing. I mean, that's happened in the last since the beginning of the year, and that is as interest rates have gone up and as equity values in the New York Stock Exchange and in the Nasdaq have gone down, the free money that was funding all of these startups is gone. Yes, there's no more free money. Uh, and and investors are becoming much more discerning and, and, and questioning about these. You know, oh, we're gonna we're gonna rule the world with EV. Really? Are you sure? Because Tesla's already there, um, and Amazon has you know is is going to make sure the Rivian uh, doesn't fall down. So, like, what's your plan? You know, and I you think you're seeing that play out. Yes. The other one that uh, comes to mind is. Um, my colleague and friend, uh, Bruce and I, Bruce Aldrich and I went to the LA auto show and uh, we've been a number of times and one of the companies that in, invited us to a reception and we saw the vehicles, um, in prototypes, uh, is VinFast and the Vietnamese automaker. Mm-hmm. And they have, as far as I know, they have, um, some pretty sizable backing from a, a mothership, mm-hmm. if you will. And, um, that looks interesting. I think it would be the first Vietnamese car available in the United States. And I don't know if you've studied that or know much about it, but I'm interested in it. I know a little bit about it. Yeah. Yeah, I know a little bit about them. I, I, I think they're very interesting. Um, I think everything you said is true. They do seem to have significant backing. Um, they, they're they very ambitious. Um, and I think it remains to be seen whether all their ambitions are going to play out uh, yes. the way that they, they plan. I mean, for instance, they're going to try to do an IPO. Yes. Well, I don't know about that. Right now, uh, I mean, Porsche is having trouble launching an IPO, and everybody knows what, who and what Porsche uh, are. 
And, and so there's that. Um, they're going to try to build a factory in North Carolina. Um, doesn't mean it, you know, maybe that can happen the way they think and at the time frame that they think. But again, I go back to my point about the, the free money. There isn't any. Yes. And investors are going to be very, they're going to ask a lot of questions before they hand them, I think, you know, $4 billion, or I think that's the number they've talked about. It's a significant amount of money. And the final thing I say about VinFast, and again, I, you know, I don't know if they're going to succeed or not, so, but I, I think I know what obstacles they have to yes. overcome. And one of the one of the other obstacles is, you know, it's fine to say, well, we'll develop a dealer network or we'll sell direct in the United States. It's another thing to do it, um, and and it's I think it's going to be challenging for some of these newer uh, brands, particularly brands you know based overseas, but not just that, to to stand up functioning distribution networks in a country this big and with with the you know the franchise laws and sort of the pushback from established dealers that they could likely get. Um, I think all of that will take more time and more money than they might expect. Yes. I think uh, it's it's not a um, international company, but um, with Genesis going on its own at at one point, I remember reading that they had plans to have a hundred dealers, independent dealers by now. And that certainly hasn't come to pass. And, um, yeah, and yeah, so and that's and that's and that's and yeah, and Genesis is a. I mean, they do good vehicles, and they're you know they have a pretty stout parent in Hyundai, and got yes. lots of advantages. But as you say, they haven't been able to quite pull off what they were hoping to do. Yes, uh, a few other quick areas: um, the supply chain you mentioned earlier, and the phenomenon, I guess, of um, pickup trucks. Is one a good example? The the used pickup trucks are going mm-hmm. for more than the new pickup trucks when they're available. If that's if that's right, and um, some of the prices just seem off the hook for you know fifty sixty thousand dollars for a crazy nineteen eighty five uh, Ford F one pick uh, Ford F one fifty pickup truck or a two fifty or a three fifty whatever. But um, do you have a some idea of uh, has that stayed um, the same, or is it loosening up a little bit, or are people still getting astronomical prices for their used pickup trucks? I think people. I think I think the astronomical prices in, in the used and in, in the new market are, mm-hmm. you know, may that that party may be almost over. Yes. Um. Not not right away, but but I think I think I think we're getting past midnight on that. Um. You're starting to hear. You're starting to hear some of the this last couple of weeks uh, as we've had second quarter earnings. The the big auto ch- dealer chains like AutoNation, essentially saying, yeah, at, at, certainly at the low end of the market, um, the demand is starting to weaken. Um, I, I think you're going to see as supply of as the supplies of chips start to to you know, increase and stabilize, and production of new vehicles starts to increase as GM was saying today. That's what they expect. Well, you know, supply and demand tells you that uh, the laws of the supply and demand tell you that the prices are probably going to cool down. Um, so, yeah, I think if you think if you're trying to offload a 1985 F-150 at top dollar, you really ought to take the best offer you can get today. Because right. <laughs> uh, three months right, three months from now, uh, especially if the economy goes into a recession, people really pull back. Um, you know, things are going to be different. Yes. Uh, the other couple of areas that I wanted to discuss uh, with you is that um, the term autonomous driving has been tossed around and uh, sometimes accurately, sometimes not so accurately. And uh, companies are starting to test these products in certain areas of the country. Um, where are we uh, in general terms with 
the industry, uh, the cottage industry, if you will, the segment of the automotive industry that's autonomous driving. And um, what are your thoughts on that, Joe? Well, that's interesting. I just had to, I just wrote I just wrote something about that today um, yes. relative to Cruise, which is General Motors' robo taxi operation in San Francisco. Yes, sound, you, you may be very familiar with it. Um, you know, this is as well. Um, well, Cruise, you know, Cruise, the, you know, there's, they scale or they're starting to scale up commercial operations, um, and their quarterly losses ballooned up to half a billion dollars. I mean, they're on track to lose two billion dollars. At the pace of two billion dollars a year, up from losing at a pace of one billion dollars oh a year. Oh my gosh! And um, I guess the, the the point the point of that is that this this the whole autonomous revolution that we were going to have by 2020 um, hasn't happened. It's all proven to be much more difficult, uh, both from a technology perspective, but also from a consumer acceptance and uh, uh, perspective. And then, even though regulators have frankly been struggling to kind of get their arms around what autonomous vehicles are and what they should, how they should be regulated, what standards ought to be used. And, and it, it's pretty clear that at some point, especially if, if, if things go wrong, regulators will get involved in case in point, you know, Tesla trying to kind of position what is not an autonomous driving um, technology, which is autopilot. It's not, it's a level, you know, it's a it's adaptive cruise control on steroids. Yes. Um, well, and now NHTSA's got, I think, over three dozen investigations or accident investigations going and, and clearly is, you know, not, is clearly concerned about this. So I guess the summation to getting it, of, of my view on this is that, um, I, I, you know, autonomous driving, I think, or autonomous operation of vehicles, you know, it's not like it's not happening. It is, but I think it's going to take longer to scale. I think that scaling is going to be more expensive than maybe uh, the optimists uh, anticipated. And I and I I do think that it that the robo taxi concept looks like something that's going to need to go through the rinser a couple of times <laughs> to get the business model right. Yes, uh, I'm not quite sure they've got it yet. Um, I'm a I'm a little more. Uh, persuaded that the idea of you know kind of robo semi trucks you know doing straight line hauls from point A to point B uh, in, in the southwestern desert, which is what a couple of companies like Aurora, Waymo, uh, the, the Google operation, um, and uh, Too Simple, um, these companies are out there in this in the southwest you know uh, running uh, semis back and forth across Texas and Arizona. And and you kind of look at that and say, okay, I, I can see how driving you know, driving these things in the middle of the night on a straight line desert freeway until you get to the off ramp, um, yeah, that 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 might be a business. Yeah. Um, but robo taxis, as Cruz is demonstrating, that's not going to be flip the switch, make money. It's going to be more compl- complicated than that. And Mary Barra, who's the CEO of GM, was asked, you know, several times today on her her, her call with analysts about this and. Essentially, your answer was, you know, wait for it. We've got, we'll have answers for these questions in September. Um, so we'll see. Yes. Um, again, you know, it, you, you can, someone like me needs to be careful proclaiming, oh, this won't work or that will work, because I think the whole point of what's going on right now is that uh, everything's up in the air uh, and you don't know uh, exactly what's going to happen as technology evolves and as people's responses to the technology evolve. Thank you for that. Uh, two quick things. I'll put you on the spot a little bit. You, you've been in the automotive industry a long time. Uh, you're an expert, of course. Um, are you, uh, as personally, do you have an automotive collection? Do you uh, have vintage cars? Do you drive a certain car? Do you have your thoughts on well, I cars changed? It, I wouldn't call it a collection. Yes. Um, but I do have, I did, I, I did um, 
in a moment of total madness <laughs> by a nine, it really by a 1961 Dodge Town Wagon. Oh, bless and your heart! That's great. You, yeah, if you don't know, what, I mean, most people may know what it is, but in case you don't, it's yes. essentially a Dodge Suburban Fighter from the from the 1960s. Yes, um, and, and uh, the. Uh, on the plus side, there aren't a whole lot of them. It wasn't that successful in its day. Yes, uh, you don't see them everywhere. Uh, one, uh, Jay, one of Jay Leno's uh, 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 crew, uh, a guy I met, uh, he he has one, and Jay Leno uh, featured it on one of his uh, one of his shows just recently, which was kind of cool for me to watch. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I have this beast, and I'm trying to keep it on the road. Uh, some days are better than others. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my one project um you know um yeah not a daily driver it's not a daily driver i'm assuming or is it it's not a daily driver yeah it's not a daily driver um i but i've had it out on the road and you know it's like anyone if anyone who knows vintage you know detroit vehicles and especially vintage trucks i mean once you get the thing rolling it's it's a it's a lot of fun to be in and to kind of run around uh but then, you know, a couple of trips and all of a sudden you're back in the shop. You know? Right. I think, <laughs> I think the wrench is out. You're with your, your, I'm not a mechanic, but your version of what you have is my, one of my um, fantasy cars is a kind of a pristine old Rambler American. You know, that's, I've talked about oh, yeah. that for years of having a simple car, you know, having almost an anti car, if you will. But um, congratulations on your choice. That's great. <laughs> I appreciate yeah, it's not, it's not, I go to car I go to car shows and I'm the only one there. So that much I got going for me. Yeah, anybody <laughs> anybody can have a McLaren or a Ferrari or whatever. You got what you got and and you probably attract right. attention. That's great. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, uh, no, it it does get it does it does get the looks. Anyway. Sure. Um it's fun. Um hey Joe, it's a good time to um to take a break and and uh, thank you for your time. I want to Encourage people to go to the Reuters, uh, Thompson Reuters website, uh, three days a week for a uh, really well done, you know, journalistic. Not that you need to hear it from me, but a really well done journalistic newsletter three times a week for free. There doesn't get much better than that. So, Joe, um, encourage people to sign up. By the way, do you know? Do you guys keep track? Do you have some pretty good uh, subscriber list? Are you pretty substantial now. Oh, 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 yeah. No, uh, they definitely keep track. Um, yeah, we're, we just we just started we just started putting it out on, on you know through orders.com and um, um, up to over seventeen thousand. Um, you know, would like to see more, but that's a pretty good start. That's a good. That's a great start. Thank you. Um, thanks, uh, Joe, for um, being my guest today. I uh, hope maybe at one of the auto shows or who knows. I hope to shake your hand someday and say hello. But but in the meantime, thanks for being a guest on the Weekly Driver Podcast very much appreciate having um, Joe on, uh, Joe White from the uh, Automotive uh, Autofile, three days a week, Thompson Reuters. Thank you, sir. Thank you, James. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye-bye now.